grab one of these. Did I do this? Is this on? The okay. Can I borrow this? Whoever musician this is, I will not touch uh, the order of your chords. So <laughs> I would never do that to a musician. Um, greetings, everyone. My name is Alan Shipman. I'm one of y'all, so you know we're just home. It's great to be with you all. Um, I was so excited when Drew hit me up and said, hey, can you do the Song of Mary? And I was like, yes, let's do it. I'm gonna tell you why. I started preaching when I was very young, maybe about six years old. And it was very strange to me that people let me in their pulpit when I was like six years old, but my mom was a magnificent preacher. She taught me everything that I knew. And when, it was, when my mom would wanna preach, they'd be like, oh, I, don't, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if that's the way. And I'm like, I got potty trained a couple years ago. Like, I don't know. <laughs> how this qualification system works, but I feel like my mom should search. So I'm gonna do this for my mama. Yeah. And also it's just important to uh, really talk about uh, what the, the, the Gospel of Luke is about. So has, has anyone seen the movie Avengers Endgame? Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. All right, all right. So I'm gonna tell you why I'm starting with where I'm starting, because I know I'm supposed to preach the Song of Mary and I will do what Drew told me to, okay? But I wanna tell you why I'm starting where I'm starting. So. Y'all remember like that scene where like all the circles open up and somebody's like, oh, on your left, on your left, right? And then I don't know if you, how it went for y'all when y'all were in the theaters, but like there was that guy who was dressed like a leather-bound American flag and he picks up this hammer and then everybody starts like crying. I think somebody to the left of me started weeping and I was like, yo, what is, what's going on right now, right? But then when I went back and watched the other movies, it's like, Oh, okay, I see why that man was reacting the way that he was doing, right? So the Song of Mary is kind of like that moment where Captain America picks up the, the, the you know, it's like, I didn't know you could do that, and, you know? But we're going to set the scene that Luke does so that you can fully understand the moment of the Song of Mary. Okay, so before we can properly understand the prayer of Mary, we must understand who Luke is describing the prayer to. How many of you all know that the book of Luke was written to a person? Okay, cool, we got a couple, we got a couple. Because a lot of times it's like, it's for, hey, it's for everybody. You know, it's, it's for everybody, but it was to a specific person. And so when we look at Luke chapter 1, verses 1, four, 1 through 4, Luke tells you why he's writing this. So he says, And as much as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us. So he's saying, it's a lot of people writing about Jesus in the movement, right? Just as those who, for, who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding, of all things from the very first, write you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you're instructed. How many people pulling up on your friends and just saying most excellent? I mean, you might have the gift of encouragement, and maybe that's how y'all get down, you know. But most excellent had a very specific uh, use in the way that, that Luke typically wrote, because Luke wrote two letters. It was like left, right. He was hitting the combo, right? So he's like, I'm one letter, and I'm going to hit you with X. So uh, Luke talks about Theophilus, and so the true identity of, of Theophilus is not known, but among scholars, right, I just say scholars, scholars, uh, he most likely was a wealthy man who was thinking about, you know, uh, paying Luke to continue to write about the Jesus movement, but it's most likely that he was a Roman governor, given the title most excellent uh, in the writings of Luke and Acts, almost always a reserve for Roman officials, right? So it's believed that he might have been, you know, Apostle Paul writes frequently about those who are in Caesar's house, that Theophilus means lover of God, and it might have just been a pseudonym or a code name, right, to protect the true identity of this wealthy person. Uh, and, so it's, it's, and so let's also talk about where Theophilus stood in society. 
Typically, it's likely believed that he's a Gentile. There's also a Theophilus who was a high priest. So in church history, there's a lot of Theophiluses around there. So I don't know if that just was like a nickname or a thing, but it was like, it's a lot of Craigs in here. Um, He had an ethnic privilege that allowed him to gain power in Roman society that Jewish people did not. So he had an ethnic privilege. He had a male privilege in a society where women were not allowed to vote or hold public office. And so he's coming from a standpoint where essentially society was ordered to keep the Theophiluses of Roman society um, safe, elected, protected. And so he's coming from a place where the empire or the culture's uh, uh, power was arranged to keep Theophilus a priority. And so Theophilus is writing from this place, and he's saying, so Luke, man, what do I kind of need to understand coming from where I'm coming from? Now I'm thinking about coming from where I'm from. Any Anthony Hamilton fans? Okay. I'm from, anyways, how do I need to know what this Jesus movement is going to mean for me if I'm really about to be about that life? And so the Gospel of Luke is Luke's answer to what would it mean for someone like Theophilus to understand the teachings and movements of Jesus. Now, it's interesting that how Luke begins his narrative. He begins his narrative differently than the other Gospels. Matthew kind of starts with the royal origins of Jesus and, you know, and you know, don't know the jokes like, we used to be kings. Anybody know like what that's about? Okay, so like African-Americans, because we don't know where some of our origins are because of the transatlantic slave trade, some people, you know, imagine, you know, that, oh, we were kings. So it's like, it's kind of like, hey, we, we, but there's like a joke we say where it's like, we used to be kings. But anyways, so Matthew is very much starts his one like, hey, man, you know, we connected to Adam. We got Moses in there. He just name dropping everybody. And he's like, yeah, Jesus, we with them. Yeah, we used to be kings, right? Mark starts with the message of John the Baptist and the ministry of Jesus. John starts with the spiritual authority of Jesus. Luke begins a little differently. I like to say that the other gospel talks about what Jesus is doing. Luke's gospel talks about what Jesus is undoing. He begins with how, so again, Jesus, the, the other talk, gospels start about what Jesus is doing. Luke starts with what Jesus is undoing. And he begins with how the Jesus movement is disrupting the hierarchies, the various hierarchies that are seen in society. And so we can talk about, so we're talking about setting the table. So the reason I call this sermon, this is how we do it, right, is essentially Theophilus is like, man, tell me about Jesus. And Lucas is kind of like, this is how we do it. This is how. Okay. This is how we do it. We're going from thrones to tables. That guy's like a worship minister now, too. So it even works even better. Okay. I don't know if it holds up, but praise the Lord. All right. Um, <laughs> so, so we're thinking about setting a table where he's kind of setting and saying like, hey, man, kind of like the Avengers movies, right? Well, let me tell you about who Captain America is and how the Avengers started. And start, right? You know, he's starting and saying, hey, this is what you need to understand from your point of place in society about how we get down in the Jesus movement. So it's interesting, and I can't read all of it because I only got 20 minutes. And I'm a long-winded son of two preachers. Okay. Um, so it's interesting to me that earlier in Luke, Luke highlights not the legacy of Aaron's sons, who were two, two of his oldest sons. Jesus, God actually took them up out of there because they just was trifling. He said, man, y'all, y'all are <laughs> taking the sacrifices, man. I'm sorry. Y'all got to. But when he starts off his gospel talking about not the legacy of Aaron's sons, but the legacy of Aaron's daughters and the legacy of who Elizabeth is, who was John the Baptist's mama, okay? Who uh, Allison, I think, just spoke about, right? Yes. I still need to see a Muppets Christmas Carol. Um, it's on my list. I'm sorry. Um, 
So then Luke highlights, and it's funny when this story, Zacharias is a high priest. He's the guy who has the, who's the few people that can access the presence of God. He goes in there. Gabriel appears and is like, Zach, my man, yo, God's about to do some amazing things. We're about to, you're about to have a child who's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. And Zacharias is like, man, I'm kind of old, man. I don't know about that. And Gabriel like, man, I've been practicing this speech for months, man. I ain't about to go back here and say that nobody believes. So you know what? I'm going to take your voice. I'm going to holler at your wife and we're going we gonna to get it worked out. But it's, it's funny because it, it's, it's, it's set up that the person who the religious power system says is supposed to believe and supposed to get it doesn't get it. And that Gabriel actually has to go to Elizabeth. So, again, it's not about Aaron's sons couldn't get it. Let me holler at Aaron's yes. daughters. And Elizabeth, who, was, who, was, who had a reproach on her, who had a stigma on her in society because she wasn't able to have children, but she, she, though she could not bear children, she could bear the faith and the capacity of what God is trying to do in this season. And so my favorite part of this is that Elizabeth gets the final say on the name of John the Baptist because Gabriel says, hey, man, we're going to kill all this kid John the Baptist. Your husband tripping right now? We're going to call this kid John. But there was a patrilineal requirement for naming children, meaning that if it, if it ain't a man in your family name that, you just can't pick some name out of, out of the hat. But when the time comes to name the child, Elizabeth walks into the room and says the name, well, she was in the room because, I mean, you know how birthing works. <laughs> she says the child's name is John. And they're like, where your husband at, man? What you talking about? Ain't no Johns in your family. They turn to Zacharias, who can't speak because he didn't believe. And in this moment, Zacharias, from a religious power standpoint, he writes down and agrees with Elizabeth and says, his name is John. And it's interesting that at that point, Zacharias recovers his voice. And I think it's important in this time when we talk about all the people talking about Christian patriarchy and can women do this and can women do that. I think it's important in this season that just like with Zacharias, the people and the men that, that, that our society has said that all the religious power lies in, I think it is important that perhaps these men will not properly find the voice of God and what he's trying to do in this generation until they be, begin to affirm what God is speaking through the women in our generation. Wow. Y'all see why I had to start where I had to start now, right? Y'all see the circles opening up? Anyways, that's Avengers joke. <clears throat> so here we see, as he's continuing, hold up, my clock just went out. So I just want to make sure I'm on time. All right, cool. We're doing good. So we go from most excellent Theophilus, right, to highly favored. And so now we see Luke 1, 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, you know, he's just coming off of like, man, I hope I got some believers out here because Zach almost had me embarrassed up in here. Uh, I was fighting with Michael about who was going to get the call, and I thought I wasn't going to, I was going to have to go back. Anyways, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, remember, Luke is writing this to most excellent Theophilus. <laughs> He's probably got one of those George Washington ruffle shirts on. Maybe an ascot. Writing with his quill with the pinky up. Luke, tell me about your Jesus. Anyways. <laughs> and Luke is setting up his dichotomy of society lifts you up and says that you are the most excellent one, but in this Jesus movement, the most highly favored one is not who society says is most excellent, but who society says is most expendable. 
and Jesus is beginning to shift. You see that Luke is beginning to shift slowly the hierarchies. He's undoing the realities and the power realities that Theophilus says, right? And so we now see also that Luke is showing that God's plan for salvation, right, was not between uh, God and a man, as we saw in the other ones, where he talks about Aaron and the throne of David and all these things, but that he is now saying that the, God's plan for salvation was revealed as a plan between God and two women. And that God didn't need a man's permission, he didn't have to wait for men to get it, to work his will in a woman submitted to God's will for her life. And Mary, whose entire life is almost entirely ordered by the men she is connected to or betrothed to, she asks, how can this be since I do not know a man? Now, of course, we know how biology works, so that's a good question. But I think beyond that, in a society that's ordered, she's hearing that God wants to do something powerful in her life, and she's looking at how society is arranged, and she's beginning to wonder in her heart, I believe, but how can this be in a society that... Can't nothing happen unless a man has got something to do with it. And I want to encourage people who, who might have a b- belief in your life that God is calling you to something, calling you to lead, calling you to, 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 have, to make room and to wear a religious system that typically has kept women out like they did my mama, but she's still shining. Shout out to my mama. Her question, how can I do this since I do not know a man, that Gabriel answers, that it's the power of the Holy Spirit and that with God nothing will be impossible. And it's important that at this point Gabriel says, man, listen, God already working in your cousin. <laughs> God's already working. And so it's important that we see what's, what's setting up. So in Luke's account, the Holy Spirit is first revealed to two women. The first to believe are women. The first to be consulted in Mary's case is a woman, and the first to consent to the plan of God are women. And out of this context, the, you know, the prayer of Mary comes. So we know who it's talking to and who it's talking about. So let's get now into the prayer of Mary, okay? We lifting up the hammer, okay? Avengers is simple. Anyways. So here we hear the prayer of Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty." He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And so all throughout this, you see that the power dynamics are shifting. The power dynamics are shifting. And they're shifting uh, on behalf of those who are placed under the hierarchies that were set up. And so let's get a little bit into, into, into this, right? He's regarded the lowly state of his maidservant, uh, I love that God is not only aware of, but is actively committed to caring to the lowly state of women and those who serve him from an oppressed place in society. Society is arranged so that you don't regard people who suffer under the various caste systems that people have set up and the imaginations of their hearts. 
every oppression that we face is something that someone imagined. And here we say that God is scattering uh, the proud and the imaginations of their heart and is on the side, as James Horn would say, that God is on the side of the oppressed. So we have to begin to think, in a patriarchal society, how do you regard the status of women in your life? Do you honor the call of God and the gifts of God that women have? Do you support the leadership of women? Do you protect the women, and especially women who have a greater stigma in the world? We know that Malcolm X said that the black woman is the most disrespected, un unprotected, and vulnerable person in American society. Do your hiring decisions and personal decisions reflect the state in which God favors, chooses, and equips women, or are we still just choosing the most excellent? At one point in your encounter with Jesus, have you gone from just lifting up the most excellent to finding who society says is the most expendable and saying and agreeing with the song of Mary that you are the, these are the highly favored ones? Do you regard the theological traditions formed by women as much as you regard the theological traditions formed by men? A little suggestion, you might want to start learning from the people who got it first. I'm just leave there. That was for my mama. Anyway, <laughs> Rishi talks about he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the imagination of their hearts. In a world that seeks to objectify women and attempts to reduce the existence and value of women to the pleasure they provide or the children they produce, what are the imaginations you harbor in your heart concerning women? There are easy ways that the structures of this society, the reason why people are lifted up in the most excellent is because it begins to infiltrate your imagination that, uh, uh, that imagines women beneath the dignity and the power that God has selected in them. And then we have to talk about removing people from thrones. Now, I, I imagine, um, y'all ever see that meme? It's like a white guy who looks surprised. He's like blinking. He's like, <laughs> I just imagine when, when Luke with Theophilus in his ruffle shirt is like reading about, he's pulling people off of thrones that he's just like, excuse me? <laughs> Anyways, but in a world that grasps for political power and for those who falsely believe a, a gospel of Christian nationalism, where the purpose of our faith is to get our person onto a throne, when God says salvation is not in a throne, but is exalting those who suffer under the hierarchy of the throne. And that is not getting people into thrones, it's getting people off the thrones and into tables. I, like, I appreciate that. Who gave me the come on over there? All right, see, he paying attention. He was like, this, bad, this brother got two Baptist preachers. Somebody got to give him a come on. Come on. Luke is writing to a man with access to a throne that not everyone can access. Luke is writing to a man who has been given strength, whether economic or political, from how empire has ordered society. He's writing with a man with easy access to good things. And he's also saying that in the priority of Jesus, how does things go? And the first thing you need to understand, Theophilus, Jesus is okay with you leaving empty-handed. He's perfectly all right. And this is what I think we need to encourage, especially with these people talking about Christian nationalism. No, we're losing our values. We're losing this. And they're talking about they want money. They want reparation. They want all this. We got to lock this down when the gospel is saying, that ain't a crisis for the kingdom, player. Right. Might be a crisis for you. Right. And all the people who have concentrated their power so that they, what they imagine in society has to happen and be imposed on people, that's a crisis for y'all. 
It's like the, thing, it's like the scene in uh, Fresh Prince when uh, Will Smith is like, you know, oh, man, we got a problem. And, and Uncle Phil's like, we? <laughs> and these people coming to the gospel like, oh, we're about to lose our power. This is a crisis. Only, only this orange man can shave the Christian faith. We're in crisis. And Jesus is like, we? <laughs> I started from the bottom, player. Anyways. But this is the upside-down kingdom of Jesus. How many people see, heard Luke referred to as the upside-down kingdom, right? Because uh, Luke is writing the, 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 the scriptures to somebody who's on the upside. Anyways. The question we have to ask here if we're going to properly respond to the prayer of Mary. Let me see I'm doing on time here, too. Okay, is am I Theophilus? Because a lot of times we read this and say, oh, yeah, I'm married. I'm the most favorite one. I'm going through it. It has to be me. How God going to start something without me? Society says, don't nothing get done unless somebody agreed or somebody who looked a certain way is writing a check for something. The question we have to ask is, am I Theophilus? Is society ordered to keep people like me empowered, centered, and safe as long as I agree with the current priorities in ordering a society? Am I seeking Jesus while still occupying a throne that views me as most excellent and others as more expendable? And here's the hard one. I wrote these questions so y'all can meditate, okay? If I found out the gospel would require me to vacate a throne instead of acquire one, how would I respond? This is the issue that even John the Baptist has. When he's in prison, he's like, hold up, Jesus, wait a minute. Uh, you the one we're supposed to be waiting for? And Jesus is like, didn't we, did we not dap up in the womb, Brother John? <laughs> yeah, I am who I am, but just because it didn't work out in, 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 in your power dynamic, don't begin to doubt. People, the, the people who are most vulnerable, the people who are cast out in society, those who are lame, those who are blind, they're being healed, and there's a different dynamic happening, even though it may not have met your personal gain in power. And so we see here that it's going from a throne to a table. So now when we zoom out, we think about Luke's conversation with Theophilus. In the book of Acts, it's interesting. Luke starts off with most excellent Theophilus with your ruffle shirt, drinking your wine, watching four hours of the crown at a time. (laughs) It starts with most excellent Theophilus, but by the time it gets to the book of Acts, It's no longer most excellent Theophilus, it's just Theophilus. I'd imagine you're just like, man, I can't believe I was wearing them shirts, Luke, that's crazy, man. You could just call me Phil for real, man, I get it, I get it. You could just just call me Phil for real. Just don't tell him I used to wear that shirt, though. Um, And you see this this argument again about people saying, hey, man, when you restore kingdom to Israel, he tries to make it a power conversation, and Jesus says it's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father is put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. Uh, and then they, can, then they all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So you see as this uh, 
the song of Mary reverberates through the book of Luke that by the time we get to Acts, that there's a completely different hierarchy and power dynamic. It's nobody that's sitting on the throne. It's no most excellent Theophilus. It's not we the men and I was closer to Jesus. I'm going to sit on his right side. I'm going to sit on his left side. But we are all filled with the spirit and we are all set in a hierarchy. We are not set in a hierarchy and we are brought to a table. Which means that the more time we spend with Jesus and in the kingdom of God, our hierarchy should be disintegrating, not solidifying. Our throne should be withering and being replaced as table. By the time Luke's explained to Theophilus the way of the Jesus movement, he's not most excellent, he just fell. So, this is what concerns me. All right, and if I could have five more minutes I see in this time with the lies of so-called Christian patriarchy and the evils of Christian nationalism that instead of repenting like Theophilus and allowing Jesus to remove our titles and our thrones, there are Christians that are running to empire and government asking Caesar to solidify what Jesus is calling his church to disintegrate. Saints are running to government to remove the truths about how we actually got our throne, but it is in these truths that Jesus is asking us to reflect, to repent of, and to be set free. I'm coming to a close. <laughs> no. Here are some things that I think we need to meditate if we are properly to allow the song of Mary to reverberate in our lives. If you are in a movement that defends solidifying hierarchies instead of reversing them, you may not be in a movement designed by Jesus. Oh, I got some hand claps. Come on. We got to teach Brother Drew how to play a Hammond B5. No. He can play everything. You probably can. You probably can, can't you? Okay, he being humble. Okay, I'm awesome. He said, call me Phil but I'm most excellent on the instruments. (laughs) If you're in a movement that seeks to get more people in thrones so that less people can come to the table, you may not be in a movement designed by Jesus. If you're in a movement that says God most favors those who who empire and power favors the most, you may not be in a movement designed by Jesus. If you're in a movement that says the women have to wait until the men get it or until they become mothers or wait until they become married or wait until they have been co-signed or affirmed by men and can quote all the John MacArthur's study Bibles, you may not be in a movement designated by Jesus. That was for my mama. Anyways, Luke is telling Theophilus what Luke is telling us today. The the gospel of Jesus Christ is not that salvation comes from hierarchy and a throne. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that salvation has come from Jesus and power has come from the Holy Spirit and a table in which all are invited, all are valued, and all are equal. From a throne to a table. Um, Man, I really want to talk about that, but I don't have the time to do it. But... I want to talk about this reality. There's a uh, shout out to my friend, Silly Genius, a wonderful artist. He just was quoting this guy named Banksy, he's also a wonderful artist. And he had this quote that says, They have rearranged the world to put themselves in front of you. They never ask for your permission. Don't even start asking for theirs. And I want to talk about the gospel reality. What does the Song of Mary mean and the implications of how we come to the table? The gospel reality of the table in the Song of Mary means that just like Elizabeth, woman of God, you can birth what God has put in your spirit to birth. You can name what God has put in your spirit to name, and you don't need a man's permission to do it. 
You just need to have the capacity to believe that with God, all things are possible. And just like Elizabeth, you can say, I heard from God, his name is John. So guess what? His name is John. Men who, like Theophilus, this society is built to affirm, select, protect, and elect the proper etiquette at this table when a world seeks to relegate our sisters and siblings into a lowly state is to affirm them when they say his name is John. They don't need our permission, but they sure could use our support. Come on. Yeah. And so, again, we have to not just be concerned with what God is doing, but what is God seeking to undo in our society so that everyone that we know can have this prayer so that the most expendable in society can be viewed as the most highly favored. And I will end with reading the prayer of Mary. And Mary said in this new society, at this new table, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Let the church say, Amen. This is how we do it from thrones to tables. Most gracious God, we thank you for your revelation. We thank you that you are a God that disrupts hierarchies, that pulls us from thrones and from privilege and calls us into uh, community and into a table, Lord. Help us, Lord, that as we go in your name, just like Theophilus, bring to our minds the things that we need to greater understand and greater undo in our society so that everyone uh, can come to the table, Lord, where everyone is equal, where everyone is filled with the Holy Spirit, and where everyone is seen in the dignity you created them with. May the song of Mary reverberate in our hearts, not just in this season, but as we enter the systems and hierarchies of the world. May we be the example. May we have the faith of Mary and Elizabeth that we may birth what the kingdom looks like in a world full of hierarchies. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.